0: Just go to Cars.com. It's magical.
1: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Post Game Live on Green Room, whatever it's called. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. Um, uh, I mean, I want to bitch and complain about this one, and there's plenty we can complain about. Uh, There's still things to be taken away from this game, but. And I know, like, they've been without Couturier for a few, uh, and he's been battling something all year. I know they've been without Ryan Ellis basically the entire season, uh, but without those two. As well as Giroux and Provorov, I know we're all down on Provorov, but sadly he's still the Flyers' second best defenseman. Uh, when you don't have your two best forwards and your two best best defensemen, it's not a real game. I realize like the Ducks were without, uh, I believe uh, was it was a laugh as well as a uh, Trevor Zegras. Like, listen, I, we. I'm not trying to make excuses for the Flyers. They don't deserve to have excuses made for them. They don't deserve any sort of benefit of the doubt. But this game was exactly as shitty as it looked on paper. I mean, all the players on either team you'd want to watch. I mean, Troy Terry, he's a lot of fun. Sonny Milano, he's a lot of fun. But, like, listen, we all – I come into this game going, all right, at least I get to see Zegers. Uh And, no, uh, not the case. Um Beyond that, I don't have a whole lot. It, it frustrating game to watch just because it was so boring. Uh, it, that's really become a theme with this team. Not only are they bad, which is, you know, okay. I've dealt with plenty of bad sports teams in my life. That's nothing new. I live in Philadelphia, you know. <laughs> like, I love my 11,000 lost Phillies. I've been dealing with these Flyers. You know, the Eagles haven't exactly been a picnic for most of my life. Uh, But, like, they just suck to watch all – everything they do. Uh, You know, I tweeted tonight, like, just the little fundamentals of the game that they just have no grasp on. When they're trying to break the puck out, the Flyers. Now, the defensemen will often wrap it around the boards, and that is in itself problematic because, like, you know, even if it gets to the forward – He has to dig it off the boards. He can't make a quick uh, play. He can't make a quick pass to the center breaking out, whatever. But the defenseman will often wrap it around the boards, and there will be a forward for the opposing team standing at, like, the hash marks, maybe the top of the circle, there to cut it off, while the closest flyer's forward is just standing stationary at the point and I'm dying to know what he's hoping to accomplish there. Like, is he just crossing his fingers that the guy in front of him just whiffs? And he, like, what? so many things. there. And I think it was Mayhew tonight. And I don't want to pick on Jerry Mayhew because he's fucking Jerry Mayhew. But it's the third period. He's got the puck on his stick, like, ten feet from the net. And he passes it into like traffic to his left, like nobody really. It just kind of dishes it off. Like, how do you not know the net's in front of you, dog? Like that's where the net has been your entire career. Take it there. You're not good enough to thread that pass through six skates. And even if you were, why would you when the nets I, let's just get to the calls. I don't want to do this all night. It was just a garbage fake game in a s in a garbage fake season. Uh, the, just another wasted year of Philadelphia hockey. So uh, let's get to it. Let's lead things off with Kevin Staub. Kevin, you're live on the post game. Bill, you there? I got you. How are you tonight, Kevin?
2: Surviving. Uh, I didn't watch that game tonight because I knew it was going to be like shit. Well, I did turn it on about halfway through the third period, so I got to see the excellence that is number three on the Flyers. And <laughs> listening to – The podcast, the BSH radio podcast today, you guys were all over him. I'll be honest with you, I love that guy. I think he's phenomenal and we, he is exactly what the Flyers need. Um, I've been on team blow it up since the playoff bubble when, you know, they were getting, Run, run circles around by the Canadians and they barely won that series and they really got outclassed. And I don't know how they made it a series against the Islanders. It was apparent to me at that point that this team ain't going anywhere the way with the makeup that it has and nothing has fundamentally changed. So Keith Yandel is going to help speed up the blow up process. You know, we're going to be have better draft picks and when th- this season is going to continue to torpedo faster with him on the ice that's it all truly i got he
1: is like uh, thanks a lot kevin and uh, like it, it it truly is uh i don't know if i've ever seen a guy like you said he's torpedoing their season i don't know if i've ever seen a guy make more bad plays like you know and again we've had we've and he referenced the show today where we just crushed uh keith yandel for a lot of it and we did and like Keith Yandel is an old guy here on a one year deal for under a million dollars. He is what he is. But and we've had lots of bad defensemen, especially over the last several seasons. But like mistakes that lead directly to high danger chances and goals. I, I don't know if I've ever seen more like in a short period of time as I have with like Keith Yandle over the last like month, month and a half. It's it's truly impressive. Uh, and if the goal is a stealth tank, keeping Keith Yandel, fuck, man, play him first pair of minutes then, because this, he is god-awful. Uh, Nikki Hall. Nikki, you're live on the post.
0: Tonight. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight, Nikki? I mean, I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, I'm not going to discredit the Ducks. They're a solid team.
2: Oh, the
1: ducks are good. They're missing some guys tonight, but they still have a ton of. They have more talent on the ice than the flyers tonight. They're a good team. Mm. They're fine.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, third, third watch team probably by me. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm definitely I, I would be on the speed in this in the in the silent tank with uh, Yandel. But the other problem kind of lies there is that if we're doing that, we're going to be torturing ourselves the rest of the season. Now, granted, it's only for one year. I feel like that might not sit well with a lot of people. am not going to say I everybody. Mean, if
1: they're going to rebuild this thing, it's going to take more than one year.
0: Oh, no, without a doubt. Um, Honestly, the first couple na- – or honestly, the first – the one that ultimately it falls on is uh, Fletcher, like – if he's not willing to at least make what some move or some moves to at least try and get this team in some combat, some shape, like he really pulled the trigger on two risky moves. The first was Yandel granted it was a one year and also Ellis who I'm convinced doesn't even exist because of how freaking snake bit. And I think one of my friends even joked that he was like, Andre Mazzaro's 2.0. I'm like, "Eh, it's pushing it a tiny bit, but it's pretty damn close. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, this this team. I mean, hey, the Eagles are in the playoffs. Maybe they'll do something good. You know, Sixers are well, the Sixers. Maybe the Phillies have a good year. Well,
1: thanks. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Thanks a lot, Nikki. Uh, just in terms of like. I don't even I don't even know where to start uh, with a lot of the assessments like for the players on this team like the the Ryan Ellis trade is still a good trade like I, I'd still make that trade right now like Phil Myers is he even playing for the Predators uh, he was getting scratched for a bit there and what I saw out of him last year he's just not a good player so that's fine with me and Nolan Patrick was getting scratched and then he was hurt. Um, He's not very good either. He's, he's going to be out of the league by, like, 25 probably. So I'm not all that worried about those two guys. You got Ryan Ellis for essentially nothing. Um, you know, even if you want to, like I do, pretend we traded those two guys for Ristolainen and we gave up uh, a first and Robert Haig for Ryan Ellis, I'd make that trade. Like, what that first-round pick was going to be what for this team? Nothing four years before we even saw him. And when he got here, he'd be underwhelming. And Robert Hagey is what he is. He's a third pair defense, whatever. Um, Keith Yandel, you know, you brought in a a veteran to uh, try to steady your third pair and him and Braun together with the defense as it was supposed to be built seemed like a good idea. Um, you lose Ellis basically right away. The defense is never what it's supposed to be. And Keith Yandel's out there playing with fucking, you know, waiver claims. Um, he just gets exposed. It was worth a shot. It didn't work. I wish they'd make the decision to move on from him. Like, that's you have these low-cost one-year players. If they don't work, you just get fucking rid of them. But since he's in the middle of this nonsense Iron Man streak, uh, that means absolutely nothing. Um, he's got to stay in the lineup and we have to continue to watch this bump. Uh, Harris Barnes, Harris, you're live on the post game.
3: Um, Hey Bill, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I got you. How are you tonight, Harris? Uh,
3: doing fine. I took a break from the post games for a bit for a uh, mental health reason. So I'm That's back and, and sleep and sleep. Um, um, But yeah, I mean, it looks like the Flyers are going to miss the playoffs. So they will actually have back-to-back playoff misses, but like they're just in this state of mediocrity that, I mean, everyone references the wild, but remember what the Blue Jackets did for like 11 of their first 12 years of existence. They were bad with no purpose. Like you're just kind of diving into that range. And if you don't get sort of lucky and hit on, some um, major picks outside the first round and, uh, and, and have really good development with your AHL staff. Uh, I mean, you're going to be picking in not great spots. You might get a, a really good player this year who's ready in two years, but still flawed, or isn't ready for four years. I mean, like I just don't know what you do unless you're you're getting lucky.
1: That's your to do what they did. They had to get extremely lucky, and they got the opposite. Like they get extremely lucky, they think with Nolan Patrick, he's a bust. you know you, you get a German Rubsov in there, you get a J. O'Brien in there, and suddenly, like, what did you what did you accomplish in the entire and like I don't want to relitigate the Hextall thing because we do that all the time, but like, even now, what have they accomplished in terms of uh, talent accumulation? You know, Blom looked like he was on a certain trajectory, and he still might turn out to be a useful player, but, like, a a fifth-round pick is one of your best draft picks? That's what you're looking at? Like, Carter Hart. Carter Hart's the only thing you accumulated out of all of this, and you need the goalie, and it's huge that they have that going forward because you can build a team around a goaltender, and it's a lot easier to do that than, you know, not having one. But, like, they should have one guy who's close to as good as Claude Giroux, and they have nobody close.
3: I mean, I like what I'm, Brink's having a good bounce back NCAA season. I, I've always liked the, the McLennan and Wisdom picks, and Desnoyers popped off and could be a really good third liner. Um, but, I mean, prospects are prospects. Most of them don't really turn out. And if they, they sort of do, they're third or fourth liners. You might, occasionally might get lucky get a second liner. But um, Fletcher or whoever's the next GM has to look at what he has and see that um, if they really want to turn the team around, it's either you're fully rebuilding or you're having to really swing big and turn what what you have in the pool and really
1: go for it. No, and you need to, uh, and thanks a lot, Harris. It needs to be, that's why I don't fault the, the Ryan Ellis trade. And I think like, you know, I was hesitant on Jack Eichel. Um, a neck thing is, it's a lot to deal with and the price tag would be very high, but a situation like that, man, you kind of look at it and go, fuck, what if we could have scored a Jack Eichel? Then suddenly all those other depth things fall into place and they need to try to, if they... It's going to be really hard for the rebuild. We've talked on the show, like, a blow-it-up situation because uh, we've referenced, like, when you have Carter Hart and we think he's as good as he is, it's hard to bottom out. I think there's ways around that. But more realistically, like, with Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Ryan Ellis, perhaps – um it's gonna be hard, and like I'm talking about these guys at full strength. Obviously, this year a lost season, uh, but I believe you know we will at least get some sort of productivity uh, productivity out of them in the future. Uh, I, with those guys, it's gonna be hard to really bottom out. Um, you know, so uh, you get you have to look at targeting. You have to figure out how to bring a superstar in here, one way or another. It's it's very you're very much in that basketball situation where it's like no, we just we just need a top end, we need one of those guys who can get us over you know a certain threshold. Uh, Zach Boyle, Zach Boyle, you're live on the post game. Hey Bill, how you doing? I'm well. How are you tonight, Zach?
4: Yeah, I'm all right. It's like the fourth straight West Coast game I've stayed up for, so. I'm not even counting, but it's all misery. Um, so I'm just gonna preface this with by saying that I understand that everything when it comes to draft and draft picks is illogical chaos because sports are misery and we're all here for it. But the one thing that I I kind of started to think about as I watched this game and I saw how Anaheim's players started to kind of like how they have been playing and and other teams like them like the Kings have gotten lucky, Detroit's gotten you know, some good results out of the players like Lucas Raymond and Moritz Seider. Like, are we just, like, one step constantly behind, like, what the team needs in terms of actually being NHL ready? Like, I feel like every two years the strategy shifts, like, minorly, where it's like, we need 200 players. No, now we need players with high IQ. Now we need this. Now we need that. And and they're always just one step behind what is actually happening in the NHL. Maybe, maybe that's just a thought that I stumbled upon tonight after three gold monkeys, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's something there.
1: No, it does seem like for a while they were targeting. Uh, we want the high IQ good overall, uh, maybe not the highest ceiling, but a high floor player, a guy who will, you know, maybe not wow us, but he'll end up in the NHL. We don't want any busts. Um, they just, I, I, I think they've had a real risk-averse um, like strategy when it comes to the draft, and it's hurt them. That's why they don't have the high-end talent. Yeah, do some of these guys not work out? Sure, you know, but man, you need to take a swing on a star every now and then. A star cowboy. Caliber- Star caliber player. Otherwise, you're never gonna have one. <laughs> like you have to take yeah. the risk at some point. They're not just gonna fall in your lap. Like, yeah, sure, you could get lucky and be Vegas and trade for Mark Stone, trade for Jack like Alex Petrangelo chooses to go there, but in the last 20 years of Flyers hockey, that has not been the case. Guys choosing to come here, pulling off these trades for these high-end players. It's like you have to acquire them the way they're free in the draft. And the Flyers just haven't.
4: No, we're a bigger destination for dudes that played in the '80s than we are for dudes that
1: play right now. Uh,
4: it, it's 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 just interesting. Like you never see them take a risk on a guy like Alex it but they'll take a guy that's like strong two way player, doesn't score a lot of points. Like he did okay in the SHL, and they're like, yeah, that's our guy, first round pick. You got it.
1: Yeah, and it seems like maybe they've uh, got a few guys like uh, the the last caller brought up, uh and, um, you know, email Andre over in Sweden. But still, it's, uh, you know, you have a big gap there. And those guys are young. We watched this current crop of young players, how long it takes for you. You know, development isn't linear. How long it takes for you to hit your prime and then, you know, keep it going and, it's a while before we can actually depend on those guys who may or may not be anything.
4: Yeah. The whole point of why I brought it up was just, you know, maybe we're kind of looking at the wrong reasons as to, you know, why this team isn't anything like, I don't know, maybe like after so many years of failing at bringing in prospects, like how many, how many like, you know, Passover's are they going to get to just be like, yeah, we brought in no one from this year's draft and we had nine picks. Like how many times are you going to get that pass?
1: yeah it's they're in they're in a rough spot uh, they're in and thanks a lot zach they're in a tougher spot right now, maybe than they were when Hextall took over. Ugh. he had to dig them out of such a big hole cap wise and yeah but there was a there was a base here he could have done something more yeah i, I <clears> hmm. <throat> They have more, they could deal from within to make up. Like, you can move a Provorov or a Konechny or a San. Like, you could get something for what they have right now. And I don't know if that was the case for Hextol. So, I, you know, I guess it doesn't matter either way. But just trying to think, like, the spot they're in, it, I don't know what direction is the right direction. Like, yes, blow it up. But fuck, man, how long is that going to take? Uh, and how? Like, we we talked about it before. How great would it be if there was a loan system in the NHL? If it, you know, we could loan Carter Hart to Colorado for two years, like let him get some uh, Western Conference finals, some Stanley Cup final experience under his belt, and then, uh, you know, we bought him out, and then bring him back here, 2025. All right, we're ready to go, kid. You're in your prime. <laughs> Jacob Russell. Jacob, you're live on the post game.
5: Just go
1: to Frito-Lay com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-Lay Snacket.SBNation.com. Jacob, hit on mute.
5: Sorry about there that, Bill. You hear me now?
1: Yeah, you're good. I got
5: you. I uh, hope you're doing well. hope you had a good holiday. But uh I didn't watch tonight. I, I've, I've uh, been back from school with my dad and we've just been watching the last couple uh 10 30 games and it's just getting it's getting depressing to watch these guys just go out without any sort of a vision at all like it it just seems like they're just out there just skating around like it you, you, we're not striving towards anything and i can watch a team be bad like i I've, I've seen the flyers be bad in the past i've seen them i'll probably see them be bad for a lot longer now um but you know, when you're bad without any sort of vision for the future, it just feels like we're turning into the Minnesota wild. And unfortunately we also have the man who was the architect of those fantastic Minnesota wild teams that never did anything. Um, So it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen in the future, but um, it's just hard to watch, you know, that these guys struggle without any sort of next step to take anywhere.
1: And that's, like, it's both, like, the franchise direction, you're not sure what it is, and also just their on-ice play. Like, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish a lot of the time. Like, yeah. I, I joked on Twitter tonight, are they under the impression there's, like, a three-point line? Like, do they <laughs> think they need to get further away from the net? and it'll count for more, like, you can score in close. I promise it counts for the same amount if you shoot from the slot. Give it a shot. Get in closer to the goalie. I bet you you'll have, like, a higher success rate. But, no, they love to just play on the perimeter, get it back to the point, dish it out when they're in close. I They have no direction on or off the ice. I don't know wh- what they're trying to do.
5: And that's the funny thing. It never seems like they're playing to the strengths of the guys that they have, because JVR, Kevin Hayes, I mean these are guys who are yeah, even Lindblom and Farabee, are they're guys who who strive and who, who thrive in front of the net. They need to get to those areas, but we never see TK,
1: TK, TK especially in this lot feed the net like that's what he does.
5: I mean that, and and it never seems like you're playing this this game where you're passing the puck around ad nauseum, and no one can pl- play that game except for Giroux. Even Couturier, he he's really that's not his strength, and they They're, just keep nailing pass, it on the head. They
1: pass nonstop. And they're horrible at passing. Like it would be one thing if they could, like if they could wheel the puck around, like they were Colorado or you know uh, the Rangers. Cool, but they're not. Like they need to get the puck on net and bang away. That's all that they can do. Cause they are, they can't put two passes together in a row. It's impossible for them.
5: And relying on point shots when you have uh, at least half of the. Half of the defense core that is not an NHL defense core. It's 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 Flabberg. I don't understand. I don't get it. I'll never understand anything this team does. But I uh, hope you had a good night, regardless, Bill.
1: Okay. Uh Thanks, Jacob, and Happy New Year to you. Happy Holidays uh to really everybody listening. I say it all the time. We have another caller. I'm gonna get to, but for that, just thanks for hanging. It, it like here on the East Coast is 1:15 a.m. And you're up to talk to me about this garbage team that just played a garbage game, you yeah, with a ten o'clock puck drop. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Um Let's get to Johnny Dyer here, Johnny. You're live on the
4: post game. How's it, Bill?
1: How are you tonight,
2: Johnny? Oh, tired man I had a I bombed a job interview, I got my booster shot, and then I watched that game like I hit the trifecta, bro. We were laughing earlier in the season about Mike Yo was going to end up the head coach of this fucking team. And here we are. Here he is here in the same, is. in the same conversation we were laughing about, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, ah, crap. Uh, Mark Bergevin being the GM of this fucking team. Are we down that path? Like <laughs> does he become the GM before or after the trade deadline?
1: It, <sighs> I'm really interested. Cause It kind of, like, Chuck Fletcher just does not seem like a guy concerned about his job security. And I don't know, especially if they choose to, like, fix this thing and start over. How do you entrust him to do that when he was the guy who put all your eggs in? No, I build a team that can win this year. Like, and, you know, I believed in a lot of his moves. It's not like I'm crushing Chuck Fletcher, although I do think, like, he seems to – his pattern is he does something in the off season and sets it and forgets it. Like he's like, okay, yeah, that's the team. <laughs> Nothing else I can do. Like, uh, like he believes it illegal to make moves in the season or something uh, a- a- as things spiral out of control. But uh, I'm really interested to, pull to the see trigger. what happens
2: to this front office. He's afraid to pull the trigger, just like the team is afraid to pull the trigger in front of the net. It could – like he's made right –
1: He's made good, solid off-season moves. Two of his three offseasons here. Do you and remember? And then they- the season starts, and he does nothing else. Like you see, okay, this is what the team is. This is what they're missing, and then nothing happens. Did
2: Did Giroud watch this game and realize? Like, have that like you know when you like pull back and you get that like outside view of what's happening. Look at what was happening. It was like I gotta get the fuck out of there. <laughs> like we
1: always like uh you know sometimes they t- they talk about scratching players and you you get to watch the game from up high. You get that bird's eye view. I wonder if he was sitting there watching the game on TV and like oh you know what you need to watch to learn sometimes. And what
2: he learned was,
1: man, this team fucking. Sucks. <laughs>
2: He's finally, he's finally coming around to what we all know. <laughs> I hope, like I hope he came to that conclusion. Honestly, <laughs> he
1: did, if he, I mean, he knows because he's out there trying to pass to these guys all the time. But like, just watching this tonight, my God, how does he sit? I hope he didn't watch. honestly. I hope he had something better to do with his time than watch this game. I hope he just took a
2: nap, hung out with his his wife and two kids, and lived the dream. <laughs> All right, thanks, Bill. Aloha, man. You got it,
1: Johnny. Thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, like, uh I want Claude Giroux to be a flyer for life, and I want him to be the captain when this team eventually raises a Stanley Cup. But since you know, I also like want to be president. Uh, you know, some things just ain't gonna happen. Uh, why the fuck would he come back? Well, I get, you know, he's a loyal guy. He wants to be the all-time leader. He wants to be everything for this team, and I appreciate all that. But, God damn, man, go win somewhere. You earned it, kid. My God, I say as he's nine months older than me. Uh, Ryan Chrisman. Ryan, you're live on the post game.
6: Hey, Bill, how you doing? Jesus, that that game sucked. It (laughs) sure did. (laughs) Uh, Cam York looked pretty good, though. So there's, there's one that's honestly the only reason that I watched tonight. I,
1: uh, I, no, that was the reason to watch this game tonight. And he is, including Ryan Ellis, probably one of the three best defensemen on the team. Yeah,
6: yeah even in Ryan Ellis' current state of not being able to play. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think – I'm not sure if Claude Drew actually got to watch it, this game because I saw, like, his wife posted on Instagram that, like, <laughs> he was – All the game, like I guess he's in Anaheim right now in a hotel room, confined, and like it's the game is blocked out on ESPN Plus.
1: Oh, that's fucking hilarious! (laughs) Lucky him. Oh my god, if he if he physically could not watch the game, that is the funniest shit ever. The captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. Imagine the NHL. Like the captain of the team is unable to watch the game, and he's in the city it's being played in.
6: Due to, due to the COVID protocol. Thanks Thanks a lot. Anyway, um, yeah, the game sucked. Uh, I thought Ke- Keith Yenda looked great. Um, uh, actually, t- to be completely honest with you, he-, he looked better this game than he has the last like five games because he actually made some defensive plays. Uh, but that's not why he was brought here. So that kind of sucks. But uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's all I got for for you on this game,
1: bud. I, I appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable how bad, how bad Keith Yandle is with the puck. Like that's his thing. Uh, he's horrible. Uh, it, it seems like every time he touches it, it's a disaster. And which is really funny because. I said before the season, I liked the idea. And if if they could shelter him and he was out there with Justin Braun, like he was supposed to be, maybe it would be a different story. Uh, But like my whole thing was, all right, Ellis Proveral, if you have in the makings of potentially a first pair there, Sandheim, Ristolainen, Again, you got the makings of a potential strong pair there. We'll see how, you know, those two guys gel together, can and be better than he was in Buffalo, can Sanheim bounce back, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of what-ifs, you know, beginning of the season. And then after last year, with the disaster that was the defense and trying to rely on some young guys, they were like, all right, we have Braun, we bring in Yandel, we have two veterans, we can play him 16, 17 minutes a game. I know what they're going to do, and it won't be a disaster. And Keith Yandel has been a fucking disaster. disaster so far. Just just awful. Josh McGrath. Josh, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill.
7: I just wanted to say one thing specifically to Yandel tonight. I, the point where, like, they were pressing really hard in the five-on-four with the goalie pulled, and he's got the puck at the point staring at three defenders and he just softly plays it into their shins. I just Right
1: I, into them. It was it, like, he did
7: hard. that on purpose, right? It like, was, that was, was on it purpose. It had to have been. He was done. He was so tired, he was like, screw it. I, I, I just knew it was going to happen. I will say, trying to be a little bit positive, because this team is hard to be positive about anything right now. I think, you know, York looked fantastic and a future maybe next year, maybe two years from now. But with, if you have a Provov Ellis top pairing and then maybe a Sanheim York second pairing, and then a wrist line and Zamola third pairing, like there is a potential path forward with our defense. Don't see it so much for the forwards, but I do think that like we have the makings and could possibly have a solid blue line. That's my, my optimistic point for the night.
1: All right, I feel you, Josh. Uh, My issue is, and thanks a lot, um, Ellis has always missed time in his career. And without a number one defenseman, Ivan Provorov is not a first-pair defenseman. Um, I think you badly – like if we're going to go with as currently constituted, I very much think you need another first-pair defenseman to go with Ellis and you need a provorov sandheim second pair. I don't care that they're both left-handed. I think you could make it work, um, regardless. Uh, you know. And then like York, crystalline and whatever. Uh, they don't. They don't. I just don't believe they have the horses. Uh, they don't have, to me, a true first pair with Ivan Provorov because. If Ryan Ellis gets hurt, suddenly Ivan Provorov will not will look like shit again. Like that's just that's that's been his career. When he's out there with a guy who he has confidence in, he plays well. When he doesn't, he he plays poorly. And I I just I think in that situation you have another first pair defenseman. So if Ellis goes out, you bump Provorov up, and you still have a first pair. But I really don't think they have the horses on the back end. Uh, Justin B, Justin B, you're live on the post game.
8: Hey, Bill. Um, man, just just fuck COVID. Am I right? I'm I'm done with this shit already. Um, but I guess a uh, short thing, two things on Proverov. One, um, how do you feel about him losing an Ironman streak due to something like this? I mean, should records be made and broken by some crazy pandemic? Like you have anything-
1: yeah, I, it's just the time we live in. I don't care about Iron Man streaks. People have uh, – like I've gotten in – I'm sure it means something to him. Uh, the players take pride in the amount of games they can play uh, in a row. And, you know, he hasn't missed a game in his career until now. And that sucks uh, that it ends like this. Um, I don't care. I, yeah, I was just curious whatever. what you thought about it. I
8: mean, listen – Uh, Even with it, Ovechkin's still trying to take the goal record. So, I mean, maybe it doesn't matter, right, overall?
1: Yeah, and like when I always think about Ovechkin's career, he misses his whole what should have been his rookie season because of a lockout. He's had, what, the the, the 2013 lockout and now two COVID-shortened seasons. Like, uh, you know, bad shit happens all the time.
8: Right. That's almost an asterisk, though. You're almost like, yeah, you probably would have done it if that didn't all happen, right? Um, and then the second thing, you were just talking about Provov, you know, needing a first pair defenseman or a top defenseman to play with. Where does that leave Niskanen? Was Niskanen a number one defenseman, or was he just some sort of magic, you know? I, I
1: think it was just the confidence he—Niskanen was steady enough to play on a first pair— uh, and it was just the confidence Provorov had, and there is a chance that we all missed it. And Niskanen was actually a superstar, uh, and uh, somehow nobody knew his entire career. I know that's
8: just the thing. I don't think he was, but somehow it worked. And so maybe we don't need the number one, number one guy, but we just got the right guy to make Provorov good. I don't. Know. And that's
1: like, and that that's kind of what I think about him playing with Sandheim is it's just a guy who, you know, they could develop some sort of chemistry and over a period of time they could just have the confidence in each other to play well, uh, even if it's not like their first pair defenseman. It's just two guys that, you know, could go out and communicate and make plays with each other, uh, and I think that would work. But, yeah, Ryan Ellis, when he's healthy, is a first pair defenseman. Maybe Niskanen wasn't his prime for most of his time here, he looked like one, but no, he, it's not like he's, he was a superstar or anything. Cool. Thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. Uh, wow, guys. We're going to wrap this up relatively early. I mean, we're still pushing 40 minutes, but we're going to wrap it up relatively early tonight. Uh, I mean, 10 o'clock start. The team's awful. Fake game. Uh, no Couturier, no Giroux, no Provorov. Uh, you know it is what it is, but, uh, we got through it. And now we are through this West coast trip. That was the last 10 o'clock start of the season, uh, per Kelly Hinkle on today's BSH radio. I assume that's true because they already took one, uh, they already took one West coast trip earlier in the season. Now this is that. So, uh, pretty much normal start times from here on out, which is, uh, much appreciated. Honestly, it's, uh, It'll be nice to have some seven o'clock starts again, but that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And if you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey, wherever there are podcasts and boom, content, 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 so many shows, uh, all of your flyers, podcasting needs under one feed, just search Broad Street Hockey, wherever there are podcasts, maybe leave us a five-star review, say some nice words about us. We'd love it. Uh, we're all very egocentric and, Need the uh, validation of our listeners. So hook us up there. All right, that's it. Uh, My name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Damn it, I forgot to reveal the poll results, so let me read those to you real quick. Uh, At 1244, no, that's when I sent the tweet. As of 1.38 a.m., the answer to, give me your honest answer, ignoring contracts. You have to have one. Keith Yandel, 44%. Andrew McDonald, 56%. 216 total votes so far. Uh, It's going to be up for the rest of the day, so if you want to get your uh, opinion in, it's pinned to my Twitter profile, at Billadelphia1. Go check it out.